drag is an easy target <sighs> because they're men that dress like women. So ew. And transgender people are an easy target because ew, I don't understand. That's gross. I don't understand that. Blah, blah, blah. And because so they always start with the most marginalized communities because they can get people who are otherwise well-intentioned but uninformed to back them. That's why they go for these minority culture wars because they can get good, otherwise good people to do a bad thing because they don't know any better and use that to get power for themselves. Start your engines, honey. We're about to dive into the world of drag race. And uh, since Jack and I are having so much fun, we're actually, this is the second part of this episode because I, we, we just had so much to talk about about Star Trek because we both love Star Trek so much. And I'm sure we have so much to talk about about drag race. Um, I am excited to dive into this, but um, when did, did you ever go to a drag show growing up? Like when was your first kind of experience with drag? Did I go to a drag show growing up? Baby, I grew up in the 90s. There was no going to a drag show growing up. My first drag queen was when I moved to the city and I went, you know, it was my first time in the city and I went to a bar and there was a, what they call a door goddess, which is the drag queen who works the door to try to get people in. It was the first drag queen I had ever seen in my entire life. I was like, what? is this i was kind of like i don't i don't get what this is and that drag queen's name was peppermint are you serious yep oh my god who was a finalist on season 10 11 somewhere around there i think it was the aquarius season which might have been 10 don't quite remember but a trans woman uh activist she's all a you know, musician she's also she is also obsessed with uh star trek and janet jackson Oh my Oddly. gosh. So she might be my, <laughs> you know, my, my patron queen, but uh, first one I ever met. And, um, uh, I used to be really uncomfortable around drag queens, which I think is a thing for people who start coming out like earlier in their journey, because it's a, you are struggling with your, um, sexuality and to see someone who is at least visually so comfortable with it that they can like cross dress and whatever is like, it's just it, it it shocks the the senses it's like it's too much and it was it was too much and then later um i had a friend who was really really into it and i i was living in in gay mecca in new york and he started having watch parties and i think it was the bianca del rio season uh and that's no it was it was the sharon needle season uh season five and that's when um i started going to watch parties and it became sort of like a communal thing and you'd go with friends and this and that and yeah i've been a fan ever since that is so wild to think about like how that journey kind of has continued to progress over time and i wholeheartedly relate to the initial reaction to drag i think as you said a lot of people go through that same kind of initial reaction as we're processing our own queerness and trying to figure ourselves out um because i I didn't understand it. You know, I, I, my, the first introduction that I had to it was, uh, the first guy that I was dating at the time, he took me to a drag show in a small <laughs> smoke friendly club in Albuquerque. And so I like, I remember having to like wash my clothes after the fact because I smelled like cigarettes. Um, but I just remember seeing like this 
amazing performer on stage, but, uh, and the show was great and such, but it, it left me wondering like, you know, why do people want to do this? Like what drives people to want to, as you said, cross-dress to wear makeup, to put on a wig, to put on a dress. Um, and over time I started to kind of understand that it's like an, a means of expression, a means of being able to like transform yourself to work on like your inner self in a way and be able to express that outwardly um a method of like art and being able to like there's so many different if you look at the makeup and just like that alone how artistic someone can get with that and how that also stems from like different houses within drag and how certain houses have a certain way they do makeup and such i continue to like watch like well i actually first started watching drag race and drag race all-stars um in college and then since moving to Dallas I started like going to more drag shows and um both for like local queens and more well-known queens but I don't know in in the end I feel like I don't know if I'll ever be a drag queen myself but I definitely have felt more comfortable now with the idea of like if given the opportunity I I would love to get into drag and just see how that experience would be um it's a lot of work though like these queens out here are hustling they are it is a lot of work to get in and out of drag consistently from what I've seen. Oh yeah. It's hours. It's hours of work just to get into the outfit, to go to the bar, to wait, to pay the money for the outfit or make the outfit to figure out your makeup and take hour, hour and a half, two hours to put it on, get yourself to the venue perform. Um, unless you're a drag race queen for 20 bucks, 50 bucks, Maybe if you're a resident queen, 100, 150 bucks for the whole evening, be there from 10 until the bar closes, which here is like three, four in the morning and have barely made enough to pay for the outfit and possibly the cab ride and maybe stopping at Mickey D's on the way back. And that's how they're trying to make a living. Mm -hmm. So you have to really love it. It has to really give you something to be able to sacrifice that much to do it, I think. I wholeheartedly agree and uh, mad respect, honestly, to all the drag queens out there. Um, it, it takes a lot of tenacity, especially in today's world, which I'm going to touch on a little bit later. Uh, but to me, I feel like why drag has become so important to me is, um, you know, as as Mother RuPaul has once said, that drag reminds us to not take life too seriously. Right. Um, and in a way, it's allowed me to connect with the gay community and queer community um in a way that i didn't have growing up and so it's like uh, one of the big common things about our community is is drag and so it's nice to have that uh sort of connection and also for me i love to lip sync and i didn't know that lip syncing was like an integral part of drag <laughs> and so to find that that was like a huge piece of it that like immediately drew me in and there have been some killer lip syncs in last history night? oh my gosh yes last night it was so fucking good <laughs> i thought it was a double shanta i thought it was a double save but um i really like i used to throw because of drag race i really started i was like I like lip syncing and I used to throw lip syncing parties where no one was allowed to have, like I invited all the friends. Everyone had to come with a number. You didn't have to be in drag. You just had to lip sync a song and there were no phones because at the time it was pretty like embarrassing. Like people didn't want to do it if there possibly someone had a video of them doing it, which is so 
um, you know, strange now, now that would be content. You would put it all over your Instagram, but, um, uh, my favorite one anyone ever did, I, uh, two, which is my bro, my straight brother was staying with me for the weekend and he did let it go from frozen and had a bowl of ice cubes that he was just throwing at people. Oh and I was dying. And then the other one, uh, someone did, um, is either stranger. I think it was stranger in my house, uh, which he took as he did it like it's like about like domestic violence and like the whole time and he is he's singing he has these big shades on and at the very end he takes it off and he had done makeup that he had a black eye and it was funny uh i'm trying to remember if i've ever done any like lip sync stuff i remember doing i think a couple in college and i remember having a lot of fun with those and i think people were like impressed like you knew all the words i'm like honey yeah. yes i knew all the <laughs> you know so if um, i like a song i listen to it over and over and over and over until i know all of the song words mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The, do you know the artist uh queen herbie no they used to be part of a band called Carmen with, I think, her and her husband, I believe. But then that ended and now they're known as Queen Herbie. Um, they're really good with creating and like rapping lines and such. And there's one song with her and I think Vincent, who is also like a queer artist. I don't know if she's queer. I think she's straight, but she's an ally and everything. There's a rapping line in one of Vincent's songs that I've been like listening to constantly because it's just so good, but it's so hard because she's like rapping so fast and such. But I like I want to get down to it because I wanted I want to like lip sync it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is something controversial for you in drag that you wanted to share? Because I have kind of like a sub point and then a main point, but I'm curious what your controversy with drag is. Controversial. So, I mean, I'm not going to talk about the the drag bands because that's not like controversial within the drag community. And, and to be clear, I'm not a drag queen, so I don't have any really right to talk about you know anything that's controversial within the community. I think, I mean, lately we've been, I mean, recently we had a straight man as a competitor. You know, just sort of the the um, the the mainstream crossover is a double-edged sword and that's that's with everything with every social progress we have with everything once it becomes accepted becomes mainstream it it loses its transgressiveness which can lose its fun which can lose its oh this is just ours like i was on set filming something the other day and I was telling you this, a, a guy came in who was playing a love interest of mine. And I never, like, it doesn't matter. I never asked the person to get straight. It doesn't matter. They're an actor. And um, he came in and we were, we were here already and we were talking about Drag Race and he had a lot of opinions. He's rattling off this and that. So my brain immediately goes, oh, gay guy. And then he starts talking about his girlfriend. And I'm like, and I started asking questions about that. I was like, oh yeah, she loves Drag Race and I watch it with her every Friday and this and that. But like, he had like deep cut knowledge and like this and that when it's just like, Part of me was kind of like, see, this used to be a thing where now I know you're gay and I know your family. And it's like, no, not necessarily. Like, I'm glad because it means we're making money and we're getting visibility and the queens are making money and it's, you know, leading to acceptance, even though we're having the current blowback. Like, that's great. But something does get lost when it's not ours, just ours anymore. I definitely see that. I, like, to to feel like it's losing its... As you said, like the, what was the word you used? Tra- the transgressiveness? Transgressive quality. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. It was an show. underground thing. It was transgressive. It was a little, it wasn't as polished as it is now. It was a little messy. It was, it was sort of like a sporting event, but just for us. 
you know mm, yeah yeah <laughs> it's literally our super bowl or like right our, like, our football right. season. <laughs> and now you know most of the from what i've heard most of the audience of drag race are straight women you make a really good point i think to piggyback off of that there obviously has been some controversy within the show specifically on how the show is cast um how people are portrayed in the show um how the elimination process works and like the representation amongst the winners of the show you seem like you have a comment on that yeah so let me say something that's probably not very popular and you can feel free to cancel me below um (laughs) i understand absolutely understand why it was problematic and the transgender community specifically had blowback against rupaul for earlier seasons having rules about you know if you had already begun your transition you couldn't be a competitor um you know that has gone away thankfully mm-hmm. i understand why that's a problem and it was a problem however i do understand why that rule may have been in place for purposes of getting the show on the air mm-hmm. and i don't i don't know rupaul so i don't know okay mm-hmm. But I think what may have been viewed as, oh, she's transphobic and now she's being forced because we stood up against her to being, well, at the time, they would not have bought the show. The concept of the show was, look at these men who turn into women, right? Mm -hmm. And for... It was smart because for us, it's yay drag queens. For the crossover audience, it's Mrs. Doubtfire. You know, it's Tootsie, it's Mrs. Doubtfire. And slowly, through being comfortable with it and feeling like it's not an assault on their sexuality and it being accepted and comfortable, we can now bring in the other aspects of the rainbow. But you had to start somewhere. And so I understand the business decision to get the show sold and on the air. But on the other hand, I also understand the blowback that then expands what we can do and what we can represent. So with that controversy, I am not a trans person, so I I don't know. But I have a hard time believing that the earlier policies were based on transphobia and actually just based on business decisions for the era. Right. I think you bring up a really solid point because that that makes sense to me. As far as progress is not always immediate and there needs to be steps to get there because of the level of the, because of how high the wall is that we have to break down in order to get it across. Um, And so that makes sense to me. And I I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that we're in a time now where we can see people like that on the show and to see more availability for people to compete and, also like the, the general acceptance within the community and, and such but I very much un- understand your point um I think yeah. it, it's been a long <laughs> a long journey for for drag that's for sure <laughs> I think what's also interesting about that um last thing I'll say on this is it's interesting to see the continued I guess concept of mask for mask or like mm. misogyny in our own community towards drag you know there I have come across people who are like I could never date a drag queen but like they'll go to a drag show or something like that like I don't know I feel like there's still 
sometimes not only within our community, but like outside as well, um, just continued internalized homophobia or just fear towards femme presenting individuals. That's one big thing that I have come away with drag is leaning more into the femme part of my personality and being more comfortable presenting that because it, it's hard when there are just people who just they they don't want to and they criticize it in that way and it's it's frustrating well i think for some people some people it's sort of internal not only just homophobia but i think misogyny mm -hmm. um but for other people it, myself included because i had a journey with this for sure um, it's a matter of we spend, some of us, a lot of us, I think, spend our childhood trying to, if not pass, hide. And so to be confronted with something so, so blatant, like, like just the, the antithesis, not hiding, but just like, here I fucking am, like, I'm obviously gay, you know, I'm a feminine, I'm this and that. To be confronted with that as someone who's worked probably a lot of your life to hide it, it's just, it's just like, it's a splash of cold water in the face and you react knee-jerk reactions. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. And it's because not having anything, anything to do with them, but for how it makes you feel to potentially be exposed after spending most of your life trying to pass under the radar and be safe. Cause it's a, not just a matter of it's for a lot of people. It's a matter of safety. So I can understand how those feelings get all mixed up and you can have a reaction to a feminine presenting person and that's what it, ta it takes mindfulness to like understand where it's coming from a desire to understand where it's coming from mindfulness to figure it out and then to work through it um so I, I have a degree of empathy for those kind of people but there are some people who just they'll never do that level of in internal audit on themselves and they'll always just be you know they'll always just be the way that they are i mean i have dated drag queens um and that I, I guarantee you, if you talk to me in my early 20s, and if I went back in time and told myself that I'd be like, Oh, no, no fucking way. No way I would ever date a drag queen. And yeah, but it's it's a it's a um, I think with I mean, this is a whole other subject, but I think with like, all of our conversations on cancel culture, which I like to call accountability culture and all of that stuff, there is this fear and I think it's undeserved. I think it's 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 not grounded in fact, this like fear of like admitting past behaviors or sh showing your work, showing the growth, showing the, I'm, I feel perfectly happy saying the things, you know, I, I, on the playground would say comments like he, she, like shit we don't say anymore. Like I did that, but I didn't fucking know any better. And I do now. And that's important. I think people are very afraid to do that kind of work they just they just well i am who i am and that's what i believe and that's what i'm always going to believe and you're wrong for criticizing me or pretending like you never did it and you were always great and then you're exposed like everyone's so afraid of that stuff and i think it's unwarranted because the only people who are truly canceled are the people who dig in and and refuse to acknowledge that they've either hurt someone even if they don't feel that they're wrong mm. or acknowledge that oh maybe that wasn't a good idea and maybe i shouldn't have said that or yeah that was a bad thing about my past the only people who are truly canceled are the people who dig in mm -hmm. um and double down and tell everyone to go fuck themselves those are the only people so as long as yeah we all have we've all said shitty things we've all had bad ideas because we're all growing in society is progressing there are things that i used to think and i don't think them anymore and there are behaviors that i used to do that i find repugnant today and that's okay <laughs> <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with you. Just giving ourselves the grace 
to accept and own up to what we have done in the past and our choices and our thoughts in the time and allow ourselves the grace and understanding that we can change that we can change our thoughts and our opinions to give others that same grace and understanding without the need to say like just because you think this way right now doesn't mean that I have to like forever cast you off or something like that um you know or to as you said like cancel like dig in and into everything and yeah it's it's definitely very interesting to see that within our own community and like as as you said people who are either still on that journey themselves or like are just kind of haven't really been able to move forward in their journey or just kind of like I don't know it's it's a lot to to think about (laughs) right I'm curious to know do you have I I feel like you've told me a couple times but I want to know if there's one that just like overall stands out amongst the crowd a favorite queen yes so there's one that overall stands out among them all because not just it's not only they're tied with respect to like three or four different queens and that i like their content but this one rises above because i also like their story and i find them find this person to be a, a particular inspiration to me and think someone i look towards to like model some stuff after and that's trixie mattel so Trixie Mattel is not only um, a great drag queen and funny and, you know, quick and like all the things I like about a queen, which is I, I will go for. And she's she's beautiful and her makeup's great and all of that. She had a journey, but she's, <laughs> she, she's great. You know, I always thought she looked fine, but I mean, she's really good now. Um, but I always prize personality and comedy and, you know. I always prize that overlook. I don't care about the look queens really. Like it's okay, that's nice, but I, it's not a reason for me to follow you. But she took a really shitty home situation. So the reason she's her name is Trixie Mattel is because her extremely abusive stepdad, which led to her stepdad pointing a loaded gun in her face and then her having to be removed from the home that was through help from her guidance counselors, like at school, like getting her out of her house. He used to mock him brian and call him trixie you're a little trixie and so trixie became his drag name okay he was interested in folk music he played the guitar he was interested in uh makeup he worked at like mac and uh musical theater and comedy and he has been able to take his three biggest passions and his personal trauma and turn himself into a millionaire oh my god that is extraordinarily (laughs) moving to me it is extraordinarily impressive. It It is the epitome of the lesson. Follow your passions and don't let anyone say anything. And you can, if you work really hard and have a little bit of luck and talent, you can live your dream. And I'm sure she has personal struggles and everything's not as great as it's, you know, no one's perfect and this and that. But I look to that story. That is in, in, in times where I feel low or times I feel like, why am I doing this? And like, is anybody paying attention to anything I do? And why am I working this hard at this? I think of her and like, no, like she performed for, you know, $10 in a club in the back room of a club for years until RuPaul's Drag Race came along. And it wasn't even that. It was that the show she did on YouTube uh, with a co-star. That's what set her off. And it's like, you never know, but she, and then she's now in a position where she has a makeup company, she charts on billboard, she has shows, endorsement deals, her own hotel, bought her home bar in Milwaukee, I believe. Um, Man, has she done it and is continuing to do it and everything. 
And I'm someone who has multiple interests and multiple, you know, artistic expressions and things. And I just think like, oh, I don't have to pick a lane. I don't have to pick anything. I can do everything I want. I can mold it all together into a unique version of success that is my version of success and pursue all of my passions. So that is why Trixie rises to the top for me. I love that so much. And that is such a fascinating background of her and her story. Like, I don't know if I've ever really had an opportunity to delve into that. And that's just insanity, the where they've been and where they're at now and that level of journey. And I love that point you made of, you know, the world is your oyster, you know, like start the blog, start the podcast, start recording, start, you know, making art, you know, and it's just like nothing, like the only limitation is the one that like you just like, you have to push past like your yourself is your own limitation essentially in a way yeah. and I, I love how she encapsulates that and how you've like taken that and applied that <laughs> wow oh my gosh I'm just like sitting here thinking about that now and thinking about the queens that really stand out for me I, I would definitely say Trixie for sure I think it's hard for me to pick one specifically especially yeah. with still being relatively like I would say I've been in the drag world for a few years now but um, I think each of them stand out for me in a different way for different reasons. Everything you said about Trixie really, I, I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, I love her show with Trixie and Katya, obviously. And all the, the, the show that they just did, the live performance oh God, show. So funny. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I would say for me, since we already highlighted Trixie right. and I'm going to like sub in there Katya as well because of their show and everything. I'm going to say Bob the Drag Queen and yeah. Alyssa Edwards for me are, I would say probably like my other ones that I want to highlight. <laughs> I I feel like uh, kind of like what you're saying, like the level of comedy, the level of interest that they have. Um, I love the journey that I've seen from both of them as well. And it's really interesting when you get to know these queens a little bit more than just what they're showing on stage. Um, it It's fascinating to see how each of us or each of them have gone through various life struggles as anyone does. And to see where people turn that around and how they turn that around and how they use that to empower themselves and that's just inspiring to me to see how everyone goes through something crappy or something that you know really just is, is so horrible and so hard you know to see when someone then takes that and turns that into their own like fuel to focus on something for themselves and to, like move themselves forward out of it that is so just jaw-dropping for me to see and it's it's hard it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort I don't know I'm just constantly inspired by not only them but like other people who have also pursued that same thing as well like that same mentality of like using something difficult and having that be a drive for you to pursue whatever you want to do essentially mm -hmm. so same vein same thoughts as, as you said with Trixie but um I wanted to highlight those two as well yeah um what are you excited about with any future content coming down the pipeline? Because I feel like drag is this nonstop train of when one season ends, the next one begins, and there's just almost no break in between. But is there something specific you're either currently enjoying or excited for? So I, hmm, 
there for me i mean for me there's there's i i can't keep track of all the stuff that's going on i don't watch the international shows except for uh uk occasionally canada occasionally australia the 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 english-speaking ones um that's just where i draw the line uh i don't love i think uk sort of holds up to the original to the the flagship the u.s uh, I also watch All Stars. It started doing sort of the international All Stars, which is UK versus the world and Canada versus the world, which I did not enjoy at all. Um, it just felt extremely produced, and it just it didn't feel like a competition. It felt like a story they were all acting in, basically. Anyway, I I am actually if this season wasn't so entertaining, I may have taken a break from Drag Race. Is uh, some of the well, I even say now. I think in other seasons, there used to be just sort of like, oh, there are like five or six girls here that are like, oh, I really like all of these. And in the most recent seasons, for me, there's only ever been like one or two. And sometimes the winner is just like, oh, well, this is the best of this batch, but like, I'll never check in with this person again. Like, they're not, it's not like a person I'm going to follow. And, you know, like, I, I just feel it's different now. I don't know if it's because of the crossover to mainstream. I don't know if it's because of the heavy handedness of production. I, I don't know what it is. So honestly, I'm just going to continue watching the main All-Stars 8, I think was the best All-Stars, second best or best All-Stars that has ever been because you had all the winners return. Seven, oh, the seven Queen of All Queens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That was incredible. I love that season. But yeah, it's just, just watching the regular shows as they come out. But um, um, I've got Drag Race fatigue. I mean, I'm what I'm excited for new content-wise is next week. I think it's next week. Uh, uh is back. Uh, so. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I would say I am more of a fan of Trixie and Katya's independent content than I am actually Drag Race. Do you listen to their podcast? Oh yeah, it's so funny. The bald and the beautiful. Yeah, it's so unhinged. Uh, I love when Trixie does homophobic share. Oh. <laughs> Why do they need a parade? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, those two cackle me up oh, all the time. <laughs> I would say ditto. I'm excited for their show to come back. And the same with with new content, as mentioned before. You know, I, I just feel like there's so much saturation. I would say show wise that I also am kind of just sticking to the two main shows. But even then. I mean, even with this current running show, so right now we're, we're, while we're recording this, we're on like season 15? 16, I think. 16 queens, yeah. Um, There were just so many queens and honestly, half of them, I don't even remember them anymore. Nope. Um, But the one who's constantly standing out is Sasha Colby at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like... <sighs> but for me, oh, I'm going to get people mad at me. Sasha Kobe is a phenomenal performer. Oh, especially uh, after that like nah, mini challenge. Meh. I was like, why didn't she win that? Jesus oh, Christ. Yeah. Uh, she's incredible. And you she has the stature and the the confidence. And the, as someone who's just done this a really long time and is a legend. Like, but I think the people who win drag race, they all have that little extra thing. Mm. That little extra thing that says, oh. This person could host their own show on a mainstream show. This person could be a, a sponsor for uh, 
RuPaul's looking for someone who can do what RuPaul does. Co-host, you know, uh, guest host Jimmy Kimmel, you know, like do all that kind of stuff. And I feel like not every winner has that. Mm. And I think like, for instance, Simone, beautiful queen, talented, great personality, but she doesn't have the gravitas that some other people that like, I don't know. There's like a, Bob has it. Alaska has it. Trixie has it. Katya. Katya kind of has because I don't think she cares about that kind of stuff. She's a little more like, I'm just weird and me and whatever. Um, there's like an ambition as well. Mm-hmm. I don't see that hunger fire in Sasha that elevates her beyond, wow, this is a really great drag queen. It's that extra bit like, I want to take over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these queens want to take over Shangela, like they want everything and they're going to hustle and take over the world. And I, it may just be how the show edits them and how the show presents it. But I don't see that. That hasn't presented to me yet from Sasha. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, speaking of that reminds me of like Jinx Monsoon. Oh, and God. Did you see her yet in the play? No, because I put the wrong date in my calendar and we missed it. <laughs> Heartbreak. And oh. I called to try to exchange my tickets and they were like, nope, we have your money. Have a great day. Oh my gosh. Wait, so yeah. is that it? Like, is it? Oh, I'm so sorry. They I were was expensive too. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. I'm so sorry. Yeah, my fault. <laughs> I was kind of pissed the theater wouldn't work with me because she had several shows left and I was like, can I just swap into, uh, I mean, I'll pay a transfer fee or whatever. And they're like, no. Were they all sold out? No. Oh. That's so sad. <laughs> we have your money. If you want to see it, you can pay again. <laughs> Great. Well, go fuck yourself. Oh, oh my gosh. That's so sad. Oh, well, on that note, though, Jinx, though, like being, she's incredible. Love her. She, <laughs> she's incredible. I just and, couldn't spend another $250. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't blame you. That's that's oh extreme. That already flushed down the toilet. <laughs> but like she also reminds me of somebody who has that same kind of tenacity to take over the world in a way like seeing her on i don't know wasn't she on nighttime tv recently with some i don't know if it was jimmy, kimmel. jimmy kimmel yeah jimmy no kimmel. seth meyers she was on seth meyers yeah, seth yeah, meyers yeah. right 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 but like the fact that she's also on broadway doing the yeah, yeah. chicago like it's just very fascinating to see where those queens that have that tenacity and desire to take over the world essentially what lanes they kind of pick and um I think you make a good point, though, about Sasha. I, I love Sasha, obviously. I love her. Yeah, I'm not saying she's not incredibly talented and deserving to win this season, but I'm not seeing in the show that, like, oh, Sasha's going to do more than ret- come home with her crown. Mm-hmm. Like, Sasha's going to, you know, have this show and do that and do that. And she's got these business plans and plans and ideas. And she's going to open this and run this business and blah, blah, blah. I haven't seen it. It may be there. I just haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can we talk about the drag bands? Do you want to? Yeah. I would love to actually talk about that if you would like to. <laughs> so I, I have a I have a hot take opinion on what's going on right now. So as as of the recording of this, we have Tennessee in particular, but there's others, Texas and Kentucky, I believe, Arizona possibly. There are other things coming down the pike where drag is being criminalized and banned. Um, it has been the way that they're, of course, framing it is they're protecting children because that's how Republicans get away with um, 
policies that people don't like and don't care about. They make them afraid that something's going to happen to their kids and that's how they get people to support it or get the cover to do it. Um, some people legitimately believe that. Some people know that this is an agenda and they're they're using protect the children as their way to get it across. There are people who actually believe that there is a threat to their children, as unfounded as it is. The laws are intentionally being written so broadly to allow discretion so that it's not just a matter of like, oh, children at a show that has, you know, adult content, that it could be trans woman walking down street. You know, they're 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 drafting them broadly enough that they can enforce them however they want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had that that thought leader at CPAC saying, you know, we're trying to eradicate transgenderism from the public eye. Mm-hmm. from public from the public view from something like that is what he said and so my hot take on all of this because it's you know it's drag story hours and it's children being and it's really connected i think to rupaul's drag race because drag is now in mainstream culture you can't turn on anything without seeing a drag queen a reference to a drag queen commercial for rupaul you know it's all over the place they say they are protecting the kids and what they're doing i think is they are protecting themselves from their own kids because their kids are seeing this in the world now and are coming home with questions that they don't want to talk about. And rather than have answers for their children about what's in the world, they don't want their children to ever see it so that they don't ever have to be asked it. And they want to, and then for those who fear that they're going to turn their kids gay, there are some who believe that, or queer or transgender, and there are some who know that that's not how it works. And instead, it's, well, if my naturally inclined queer kid never sees examples of queerness, maybe they'll just be straight. And it is more important to them for their children to lead lives that are lies and leave them inherently unfulfilled and unhappy, that's better for some parents than having a happy queer child. And as any other, any drag queen would say, that's the tea, mama. Mm. Preach. You bring up so many good points. And I saw a TikTok this morning, actually, about someone saying because of their own, like, internalized fear around this or their lack of desire of like internally working on themselves for something that they do not necessarily understand per se because a lot of the times it is like the fear of the unknown the fear of not knowing like what this could be or it's just like the for whatever reason the hatred towards this community if you know anything about it or not as you know these politicians are creating up these stories and and everything to incite fear and to then project that onto a community instead of working on that yourself like that is what is just so mind-boggling to me to see that like as you were saying you know they don't want to have to confront it internally with themselves or with their children um and so they'd rather try to expunge it or try to bury it try to make it not something not a household topic you know i want to actually share some, oh go ahead do you have a comment on no, that? no 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 go ahead uh, i wanted to actually just share some quick statistics um over the last six years 
I'm going to try to run through these as succinctly as possible. So in 2018, 18 anti-LGBTQ bills were introduced in the U.S. One of them passed. 2019, 20 bills were introduced. Two of them passed. In 2020, 51 bills were introduced and two of them passed. In 2021, 110 bills were introduced. 14 of them passed. In 2022, so last year alone, 162 bills were introduced. 19 of those passed. 2023, and mind you, we are recording this as of March 11th. This is when we're recording this. Has set the record for the amount of anti-LGBTQ plus bills. 385 bills as of March 11th have been introduced in the U.S. across states. And currently seven of those have passed. I mean, on one hand, it is it is good to know that while they keep trying, so little of them actually happen because the public is not on their side. Uh, and a lot of it is just saber rattling to drum up their base and to say that they, you know, to say that they're doing something and yada, yada, like a lot of it is show. Uh, and if they win Yahtzee, um, but you know, the, the proposal enough is enough to do what they need to do politically mm -hmm. own the libs and whatever scared gay people, um, queer people. Um, so that is heartening. The fact that they, feel emboldened enough to go even further and try more and more and more. That's frightening. I am of the view that the human race is a reactionary creature, not a proactive creature. So unfortunately, I think sometimes the bad thing has to happen first before things change. That we have to react to a bad thing, then prevent a bad thing. Um, I think that might be just our nature based on survival instinct and that's just how we work as animals reacting to stimuli um dealing with things in the moment as they come so people are going to be hurt by these bills people are going to be terrorized there are people who are going to go to jail for just being themselves or being in the wrong place at the wrong time but the backlash from that which is up to all of us will hopefully stop these things in the same way that I'm hoping the backlash to Roe v. Wade will give us something stronger, possibly out of the Congress at some point, not this term, but next, maybe. Sometimes progress is a pendulum, not a straight line. And sometimes the bad thing has to happen before the good thing happens. I very much agree with you on that. And I think as a society, as you mentioned, you know, we tend to be more reactive than proactive. I also feel like we tend to forget really easily and yeah. we tend to get comfortable um jonathan van ness also had something online recently he shared about like if, if you're not getting involved in this then they're gonna come after you next like you know as like as, right as this well there's that man. poem about the holocaust <laughs> like at first they came for this and i did nothing next they came for this and i did nothing i don't forget the order of it and then they came for me and there was no one left to help me you know mm. like oh yeah i mean let's I like to speak very plainly about this and I'm often seen as a, do you know the Greek uh, figure of Cassandra? 
Not off the top of my head. So Cassandra, her, the myth around Cassandra is she's blessed with the uh, ability of prophecy, but cursed that no one will ever believe her. Mm. Um, and sometimes that's how I feel. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, this is bad and it's happening. And I'm like, oh, you're just, you're overreacting. And then it fucking happens. But let's not, let's not mince words. The Republican Party has been taken over by a militant religious evangelical zealot wing that cares nothing about conservative policies and cares everything about control and taking over society and making everyone believe what they leave and believe and forcing their ideals into other people. And, um, uh, if you do not want to live under the rule of the evangelical Taliban, then I would suggest you do something because it's coming and they're not going to stop and they don't care that you think it looks bad or you think they're crazy. That does not matter to them and they're not stopping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're not going away. The genie was they were always there. And then they got emboldened by Trump, and now they've taken over ha the other one of two political parties. They ain't letting go, and there aren't enough of the old Republicans to take it back. Mm -hmm. So they are here to stay, and it is only going to be by them leading to some level of atrocity that might get them gone. But up until that point, this is who we have to deal with, and we will fight them from now until forever. It's scary, <laughs> honestly. It's really scary uh, because you know people often compare, like let's say, like The Handmaid's Tale, for example. People have often said, like, "Oh, we're getting closer to that." It's like, no, we've been living in that. Like, not just our community, but like other communities have been like experiencing that world of, you know, political aggression towards communities and such for so long, and. It is only going to get worse if we don't do anything. And I think some people get disheartened by like, well, what can I do? I'm just me. I don't have, you know, a huge platform or anything like that. Like, honestly, it takes effort, but research your local elections. I feel like locally, you can make such a huge impact because that's where you get like your mayors, your county judges, and like, you know, things that impact your community. And local elections don't happen in november all the time like they right. happen early on so it's just like make sure you're always registered because that's always important to make sure that like it doesn't right. ever get canceled or uh deactivated or whatever the case right. may be doing research does take time and like figuring out who your local officials are but then you know it also starts with the people that you have interactions with it starts with yes people who you talk to on a daily basis like it doesn't have to be a every conversation you have but like if it comes up or if you want if, if something in the news is happening you know it's like be willing to speak up about it because right you might influence someone's opinion you might like the, the, the whole reason why I started this whole podcast was because I want to share perspectives and share understanding in a respectful way to like help bring people together and understand like how people reach certain conclusions and decisions and I just feel like we need to be willing to share why we live the way that we live that we want to just like be be who we are and that there's nothing to like fear about our community and you know so it's the little things that add up to the big change and the big movement right. and I'm just hoping that people 
like the time to do that is now really the time to do that was yesterday honestly right. well time um, to do that is all the time so not only must you exercise your right to vote you must listen if we had a hundred percent voter turnout every election mm. um um we'd always win there yeah. are more of us and including independents who don't don't like the two-party system but also don't like what the republicans are offering um there are more of us and if everyone just came to vote and sometimes it's a matter of you know economic circumstance or the the obstacles that the republicans constantly put to voting because they know that so they want as few people voting as possible so sometimes it's obstacles you can help people who want to vote vote you can talk to people in your life who don't vote why it is extremely important for them to do so. Oh, well, they're all bad. Great. Well, you not voting is voting for the worst one. I'm sorry that you don't have a perfect option. Pick the necessary of two evils, right? If that's how you think. Mm -hmm. But you got to do something because doing nothing is voting for the worst one. Wiping your hands of it does not make you immune from the consequences of it, right? And that's the right. first thing. Whenever anybody in my life complains about something that's going on, especially if it's on the left, I ask them uh, when they when last time they voted and who they voted for. And if it wasn't the most recent election, I tell them they can't have an opinion. Mm-hmm. No, you you're not participating. So I don't I don't care what you think about any of this. Participate, and then I'll listen to you. But right. if you're not participating, I'm sorry. A hundred percent, could not agree more. And the last thing I'll I'll mention is that I watched a a VOX box video. Mm. And they were breaking down how we need to use our ability to vote before we no longer have the ability to vote. So many Republican people have said, if you elect me, there'll never be another Democrat in office because they want to change the rules so they are always in power. There are some democratically held areas that also like gerrymandering and like trying to it's all about control for both like i've seen republicans do it i've seen democrats do it and i i very much agree with you that like i think one party over the other is i think very aggressively going towards that to gain that level of control um i do feel like both parties (laughs) to some extent have also like attempted to snuff out like the balance and i feel like there certainly does need to be uh a balance between the two but I completely agree with you. And like the the video um, that I mentioned, like they were exclaiming how the a lot of federal judges now are moving more, like are being appointed in like a Republican frame of mind. And mm-hmm. to that effect, are, may, are could potentially set up an environment where they could say an election was, you know, not. Supreme Court did it in 2000. Right, right. So that's what I'm saying is that like use your votes while your votes still count because with the way that the justice system is being affected the by... supreme court overruled roe v wade which was the law of the land for over 50 years because they just didn't like it mm-hmm. right like like there is a sh- there is an increasing stronghold of the minority over the majority and they're they know because they don't have the the people with them they have a very vocal minority but because they don't have the people with them they are using everything they possibly can do to continue to hold and gain more power even though the people don't support them and drag is an easy target 
because they're men that dress like women. So ew. And transgender people are an easy target because ew, I don't understand. That's gross. I don't understand that. Blah, blah, blah. And because they always start with the most marginalized communities because they can get people who are otherwise well-intentioned but uninformed to back them. That's why they go for these minority culture wars because they can get good, otherwise good people to do a bad thing because they don't know any better and use that to get power for themselves. I am hoping that because we now live in a TikTok generation who loves drag race, that that's not going to work anymore. And if you all vote and you all talk to your friends and you make sure everyone else votes, I think they'll see this blow up in their face. So please, Drag Race has a huge audience. If all of you are voting and bringing 10 people, I think we're fine. <laughs> Fingers crossed for this next election year. And because the midterms just happen, right? And so then it's not this year, but next November, specifically for the federal. But also, right. y'all, local elections happen, I think, every year from what I understand. And again, they matter. The, the, the Ted Cruz of tomorrow is starting off with a school board race. Right. And these states that are making these bills against that. Like, I mean, that, yeah, your state legislatures, that's like they they pattern that like they see like oh this state was able to do it let's see if we can mimic that same you know verbiage in these bills but um yeah y'all get out and vote bring 10 people register to vote and please like this is like a genuine like plea for our not only our community but for all communities all minorities all people who want to just like live have basic human rights have the ability to have access to healthcare and services and a good job and just the ability to just do what they want to do and as long as as long as we are not physically or like you know hurting anybody I just like why can't we all just live and just be in this world so <laughs> well to wrap things up Jack I appreciate so much you being here and to not only share your love of drag race uh but also our passion for politics and the hope that we have in humanity is that we're gonna like hopefully move forward and not take these you know what what's the phrase go like one step forward two steps back it's like okay well we've taken a couple steps back we need to take a few steps forward right <laughs> but thank you so much for being here on the podcast and where can people find you on either social media or like other creative endeavors so I, you know, I have web series, I do music, I do all sorts of stuff. But the Nexus, if you want to, if you want to look me up and see all the things I'm up to, um, the Nexus is really Instagram is where I, I mostly live. I, I hate Twitter and I, I couldn't log into Facebook if I tried at this point. Um, so Instagram I'm at Jack Tracy Official, T-R-A-C-Y, no E, Jack Tracy Official. And you can find everything I do in the link in my bio or among my posts. Wait, y'all go check him out. Give him a follow. Listen to his content. I am a huge fan. Um, and I just thank you again so much for being here and for taking the time because I I just these are important topics, not only um 
in the world that we live in today, but also just like how it has impacted our culture throughout the years and such. But um, thank you again. And if you haven't already, remember to follow or subscribe. And if you liked today's episode, I would absolutely love it if you left a positive review. Check us both out on social media. But until then, I hope you have a fabulous day and I'll see y'all in the next episode. Have a good one, y'all. And here's my voice doing the outro. Queerly Overthinking is produced by Adam Harper and Cass Cooper. It is edited by Adam Harper with audio mixing by Necessary Outlet Productions. You can follow Queerly Overthinking on Instagram at Queerly Overthinking and find more at www.queerlyoverthinking.com.